God is glorious in His saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we will remember St. Janani Luwum, Anglican Archbishop of Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, and Bogazair. St. Janani was a martyr, killed because he dared to speak out against the brutal Ugandan dictator Idi Amin. Janani Luwum was born in either 1922 or 1924 in the village of Muchwini in Uganda and spent his childhood as a goat herd. He later became a school teacher and in 1948 converted to Christianity. Influenced by the East African Revival Movement, that was active in Uganda at that time. According to Margaret Ford's book, Janani, The Making of a Martyr, during the preaching, Janani felt convicted. Twice he broke out in a heavy sweat. When this happened a third time, Janani confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour and he repented of his sins, crying out aloud before God and men. At the end of the assembly, Luwum spoke as if he was taking a vow. Today, I have become a leader in Christ's army. I am prepared to die in the army of Jesus, as Jesus shed his blood for the people. If it is God's will, I will do the same. Janani's zeal for his new Christian faith soon landed him in trouble. Barely a month after his conversion, he spoke out against the excessive drinking and tobacco use in his community so fervently the local authorities threw him in jail for disturbing the peace. A year later, St. Janani began his theological training in a college at Bualasi in eastern Uganda. His rise in the ranks of the Church of Uganda was rapid. He was ordained a deacon in 1955 and then ordained a priest a year later. Recognizing his potential, the Church of Uganda sent him to England twice to further his education, and he became principal of the theological college in Bualasi. In 1969, he was consecrated bishop of northern Uganda. Present at his consecration ceremony included the Prime Minister of Uganda, Milton Obote, 
and the chief of staff of the army, a man named Idi Amin. Idi Amin would seize power in Uganda in 1971 after a military coup. He ruled with intimidation, violence, and corruption. Under his rule, there were many atrocities committed against the Acholi and Langi people. Saint Janani himself was an Acholi. In 1972, the Asian population of Uganda had their property seized and were forcibly expelled from the country. Here is an excerpt from Idi Amin's obituary written by Patrick Keatley in the Guardian newspaper in the UK shortly after Idi Amin died in 2003. Idi Amin, who has died at an age thought to be 78, was one of the most brutal military dictators to wield power in post-independence Africa. While chief of staff of the Ugandan army, under Dr. Milton Obote's civilian government, he seized power in 1971. He made himself president with the rank of field marshal, and after eight years of power, left Uganda a legacy of bloodthirsty killings and economic mismanagement. Parliament was dissolved, no elections were held, secret police, most of them in plain clothes, exercise absolute power of life and death, and the courts and the press were subjugated to the whims of the executive. The death toll during the Amin regime will never be accurately known. The best estimate from the International Commission of Jurists in Geneva is that it was not less than 80,000 and more likely around 300,000. Another estimate, compiled by exile organizations with the help of Amnesty International, put the number killed at 500,000. For Tanzania's president, Julius Nyerere, Amin was a murderer, a liar, and a savage. In the perspective of history, he will go down as one who damaged the cause of African nationalism. His rule of Uganda became a synonym for barbarity. It was under these harrowing circumstances that St. Janani Luwum was elected Archbishop of Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, and Boga Zaire. He was a remarkably effective leader in a difficult time for the Church of Uganda. From an article in the Ugandan Daily Monitor by Ugandan politician and diplomat Olara Otunu, adapted from his book, Archbishop Janani Luwum, the life and witness of a 20th century martyr. What is then about the life and witness of Saint Janani 
that is worthy of great national and global remembrance and thanksgiving. Several things immediately jump out. His passion for proclaiming the gospel, his deep and abiding faith, through thick and thin, his clear, unflinching prophetic voice for human rights and social justice, his quiet confidence and steely courage in the face of everything, ominous threats, mortal danger, and ultimately death. He never wavered. He seemed to draw from a deep inner well of confidence and tranquility. In life, it was very striking how Archbishop Janani exuded such natural and infectious love and joy. He always had a glowing face with this warm, loving smile. He truly had the gift of love. As Archbishop, he became a major uniting and healing force within a fractured Anglican church and a country in terrible agony. As a leader, he was a great unifier and reconciler of people. He set an example of simple, uncomplicated integrity. He was oblivious to the allure of materialism. He lived a simple, unpretentious, and giving life. He was particularly devoted to young people, even as Archbishop, with a punishing schedule. He always made time for the youth, engaging and encouraging them. He was a hunter for talent. He mentored many young people, including current Archbishop of York, Dr. John Sintamu, and Archbishop Emeritus Luke Orombi. Well ahead of his times in the church, he began to pursue a clear vision for development, particularly for empowerment of women, poverty reduction, and rural development. One of the fruits of his development vision is Janani Luwum Church House, the edifice in downtown Kampala. He often spoke about this project. It was very dear to him. Of physical stature, he had an imposing, charismatic presence. Yet, he had a natural disposition of such simplicity, humility, gentleness, and warmth about him. That is why all stations of people readily felt at home in his presence. We almost never get to hear a voice recording of a saint in this podcast, but we have a chance for this episode. If you have never heard the voice of Janani Lewum, this is your opportunity. In 1976, Wallace Bolton, a British radio broadcaster, interviewed Janani Lewum in preparation for the Church of Uganda's centennial celebration. I found this clip from the YouTube channel of the Church of Uganda. How the Church of Uganda is going to celebrate the centenary? Uh, the, the main celebrations really will be 
will be centered on June the 30th. The June the 30th will be the peak date. That is the day uh, the missionaries arrived in Uganda. Is the Church of Uganda still, the, the, the Christian Church generally in Uganda, still growing quite rapidly? Yes, we're seeing uh, new converts. Uh, it's more so now with, with the centenary celebrations because this year has been, we've called it the year of the mobilization of the people. Uh, and every diocese, every single diocese had an evangelistic and outreach mission. And also, not only that, as a result of the mission and all these conventions, we're seeing more people coming forward for baptism instructions, for confirmation. Leaving the Church of Uganda under Idi Amin's oppressive rule was difficult. Saint Janani warned that the Church should not conform to the powers of darkness. Nevertheless, Amin cultivated a relationship with the Archbishop, arguably to acquire credibility. For his part, Luwum sought to mitigate the effects of Amin's rule and to plead for its victims. On February the 5th, 1977, Idi Amin's soldiers stormed the Archbishop's residence, ransacking the place, abusing the Archbishop and his family. They claimed to be looking for hidden weapons. Nothing was found. In response, all the bishops wrote a letter of protest to Idi Amin on the 8th of February, rebuking him for the soldiers' mistreatment of the Archbishop and other Christian leaders. The latter also spoke out against Amin's government's abuses towards all Uganda's people. Here is an excerpt of that protest letter. The security of the ordinary Christian has been in jeopardy for quite a long time. It may be that what has happened to the Archbishop and the Bishop of Bukedi is a climax of what is consistently happening to our Christians. We have buried many who have died as a result of being shot, and there are many more whose bodies have not been found. Yet their disappearance is connected with the activities of some members of the security forces. Your Excellency, if it is required, we can give concrete evidence of what is happening because widows and orphans are members of our church. Furthermore, we are made sad by the increasing forces that are setting Ugandans one against another. While it is common in Uganda for members of one family to be members of different religious organizations, there is an increasing feeling that one particular religious organization is being favored more than any other. So much so that in some parts of Uganda, members of Islam who are in leading positions are using these positions to coerce Christians into becoming Muslims. Secondly, members of the security forces are sons of civilians and they have civilian brothers and sisters. When they begin to use the gun in their hands to destroy, instead of protecting the civilian, 
then the relationship of mutual trust and respect is destroyed. Instead of that relationship, you have suspicion, fear, and hidden hatred. There is also a war against the educated, which is forcing many of our people to run away from this country in spite of what the country has paid to educate them. This brain drainage of our country, the fear and the mistrust, make development, progress, and stability of our country almost impossible. The gun which was meant to protect Uganda as a nation, the Ugandan as a citizen, and his property, is increasingly being used against the Ugandan to take away his life and his property. For instance, many cars, almost daily, are being taken at gunpoint and their owners killed, and most of the culprits never brought to justice. If required, we can enumerate many cases. Too much power has been given to members of state research who arrest and kill at will innocent individuals. Therefore, that which was meant to provide the Ugandan citizen with security is increasingly becoming the means of his insecurity. Relatives and friends urge St. Janani to leave the country. Various embassies and outside churches offered to safely get him out. But he refused, saying, If I, the shepherd, flee, what will happen to the sheep? He told his wife that he would not flee, unless there were no more Ugandans left. Olara Otunu recounts St. Janani's last hours in his article in the Daily Monitor. On February the 15th, the Archbishop and all the bishops and senior public servants were summoned through Radio Uganda to report the following morning to Nile Mansions, today's Kampala Serena Hotel, for a very important event. Early morning of February 16th, the Archbishop left Namirembe to report to Nile Mansions as required. So the first phase of the final showdown unfolds from the night of February the 5th to the morning of February the 16th at Namirembe. Namirembe then is the first station of the cross in this martyrdom journey. The advertised very important event at Nile Mansions turned out to be an ostentatious and crude show trial of the Archbishop, cynically staged by Amin and his henchmen. The trumped-up charge was attempting to overthrow the Amin regime. At the end of the long sham trial, Vice President Mustafa Adrisi turned to the gathering and asked, What shall we do with these traitors? The assembled soldiers roared back, Kill them! The question was asked three times, and each time, the answer was the same. A group of soldiers then stepped forward and separated the archbishop from the other bishops. Some bishops wanted to accompany him, 
but the soldiers insisted. His Excellency wants to see him alone. As he was being led away, the Archbishop turned to his fellow bishops, smiling gently, and said, I am not afraid. In all this, I see the hand of God. This was the last time he was seen in public. He was taken inside Nile mansions, where Idi Amin was waiting for him. The physical abuse and humiliation started there. Now Mansions is the second station of the cross. Later that afternoon, at about 4pm, the Archbishop was delivered, now as a battered and abused prisoner, to the headquarters of the State Research Bureau, the regime's much-dreaded secret police outfit, in Nakasero. He was taken to dungeon cell number one, located in the basement of the building. At night, Idi Amin himself suddenly arrived at the premises, accompanied by a select entourage, including close associates Bob Assels and Lieutenant Colonel Jumba Masigazi. The Archbishop was taken from his cell to the first floor office of Farouk Minawa, where Amin and the team were waiting. It was in this office that Amin committed the dark deed. After taunting and savaging him for some time, Amin then shot the Archbishop at about 9pm. The Archbishop was actually murdered at a spot, that is, Minawa's office, directly overlooking the compound of his own cathedral, All Saints, some 100 meters away. This building then is the third station of the cross. Murdered alongside the Archbishop that night were two cabinet ministers, Obof Ofumbi and Erinayo Oriema. The latter, incidentally, had been the Archbishop's primary school teacher in Kitgum. The morning of February the 17th, a government statement was put out, narrating the official lie that the Archbishop and the two ministers had died in a car accident. The murder of Saint Janani shocked the world and galvanized international opposition to Amin's rule. Two years later, the army of neighboring Tanzania, with the help of Ugandan exiles, invaded and toppled Amin's regime, and Amin himself was forced to live the rest of his life in exile in Saudi Arabia. Saint Janani remains a beloved figure in Uganda and around the world. His statue stands in London's Westminster Abbey as one of ten statues commemorating modern Christian martyrs. In the Anglican Church's calendar of saints, Saint Janani is commemorated on February the 17th. This is the collect for Saint Janani Luwum's feast day. O God, whose Son, the Good Shepherd, laid down his life for his sheep, we give you thanks for your faithful shepherd, Janani Luwum, who after his Saviour's example, 
gave up his life for the sake of his flock. Grant us to be so inspired by his witness that we make no peace with oppression, but live as those who are sealed with the cross of Christ, who died and rose again, and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Archbishop Janani Luwumde is a public holiday in Uganda, celebrated on February the 16th every year. In the year 2020, the Church of Uganda organized a pilgrimage where 76 pilgrims walk from the place of Archbishop Janani's arrest, Namirembe, on the 29th of January and ended in Muchwini in Kitgum, the place of his burial a distance of 500 kilometers, or 310 miles. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, Jim John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com To end this episode, let us read the Gospel reading for St. Janani's Feast Day from the Lectionary of the Anglican Church. This is John, chapter 12, verses 24 to 32. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. (laughs) 